Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Spying for the Lord. There exists a committee at the upper levels of the LDS Church. It is a secret committee. Its purpose is to spy on members of the church and specifically on dissident members of the church, expressing what is perceived by the church to be criticisms of the church and its leaders. The purpose of this committee is not only to monitor such dissident members, but when what those members say and write crosses some unknown threshold of objectionableness, the information that this committee has collected is then forwarded on to the local leaders of that member with instructions to hold a disciplinary council against the offending member. The name of this committee is the Strengthening Church Members Committee. Many of my listeners will already know about the existence of this committee. However, it never ceases to surprise me as to how many members of the church have never even heard of the existence of this committee. But really, I can't blame the members for not knowing because the church does everything it can to keep the knowledge of this committee from the outside world and from the members of the church. It is, as I said, a secret committee. Recently, I mentioned the existence of this committee to a non-member friend of mine who is an attorney. And when he heard about this committee and the fact that it was named the Strengthening Church Members Committee, he laughed and said that that was about the most Orwellian name he had ever heard in his life. You can find an entry for the Strengthening Church Members Committee on the internet at Wikipedia. And here is the synopsis at Wikipedia. The Strengthening Church Members Committee, SCMC, is a committee of general authorities of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who monitor the publications of church members for possible criticism of local and general leaders of the church. If criticism is found, the committee may forward information to local church authorities who may bring charges of apostasy, which can result in excommunication. Now, you may be wondering, if this is a secret committee, how is it that I know about it? How is it that anybody knows about it? Well, the reason is because the existence of this committee was inadvertently leaked to the public back in 1991, and it involves a certain memo that was written by a general authority named Glenn L. Pace. He was a member of the presiding bishopric of the time. This memo has come to be known as the Pace Memorandum, and you can find an entry for the Pace Memorandum on Wikipedia as well. The Pace Memorandum was a 1990 memorandum written by Glenn L. Pace, a general authority in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, describing to a committee of the church, by the way, that is the Strengthening Church Members Committee. We'll get to that in a second. Describing to a committee of the church the complaints of 60 members of the church that claimed they had been subjected to satanic ritual abuse by family members and other members of the church. The state of Utah conducted a 30-month investigation of the claims after the Pace Memorandum was leaked to the press in 1991, concluding that there was no evidence found to substantiate the testimony of the alleged victims. In his memo, Pace stated that he had met with 60 victims who had recovered memories of ritualistic abuse during their childhood. Pace reported that children were being instructed in satanic doctrine and that as eight-year-olds they were baptized by blood into the satanic order, which is meant to cancel out their baptism into the church. Forty-five of Pace's witnesses 
claimed to have witnessed or participated in human sacrifice, including the killing of babies. Pace said that the alleged perpetrators included young women's leaders, young men leaders, bishops, a patriarch, a stake president, temple workers, and members of the Tabernacle Choir, and that some of the abuse took place in church meeting houses. Pace wrote that when 60 witnesses testify to the same type of torture and murder, it becomes impossible for me personally not to believe them. So Pace, in his multi-page memorandum, states his belief that these witnesses are describing things that actually occurred and that he believes their testimony. Further along in his memo, Pace compared these allegations to stories in LDS church scriptures about secret combinations and Cain's combination with Satan to become Master Mahan. Pace also suggested that the alleged abusers were using and corrupting the oaths in the church's temple endowment ceremony as part of the satanic abuse, and that many victims had flashbacks when they attended the temple for the first time and were asked to participate in the ceremonies. Now, as I say, this memo, which was an internal secret church memo that Pace compiled at the request of the Strengthening Church Members Committee, was leaked the following year in 1991, and as a result of this leak, the state of Utah conducted a 30-month investigation of the claims that were contained in the Pace Memorandum. And as I said, the conclusion of the 30-month investigation by the state of Utah was that there was no evidence found to substantiate the testimony of the alleged victims. So in 1991, when this memo leaked, it was the contents of the memo that caused all the media frenzy. But at some point, not long after the leak, somebody looked at the top of the memo and noticed that it said the memo was addressed to a hitherto unknown committee called the Strengthening Church Members Committee. And somebody asked, what the heck is the Strengthening Church Members Committee that a general authority is writing this memo for? After the existence of this committee came to light, the committee itself and its activities in monitoring members of the church became the subject of a great deal of controversy. The Strengthening Church Members Committee was one of the subjects discussed in the 1992 Sunstone Symposium in talks by Levina Fielding Anderson and Eugene England, who was then a BYU professor. In response to this public discourse, the LDS Church spokesman, Don Lefebvre, when he was confronted about the existence of this committee by the media, admitted that the committee did indeed exist. Lefebvre said that the committee, quote, receives complaints from church members about other members who have made statements that conceivably could do harm to the church. Then the committee will pass information along to the person's ecclesiastical leader. According to Lefebvre, however, the committee neither makes judgments nor imposes penalties. Discipline is entirely up to the discretion of the local leaders. As you can imagine, the existence of this committee became national news. Speaking to the New York Times, Lefebvre stated that the committee, quote, provides local church leadership with information designed to help them counsel with members who, however well-meaning, may hinder the progress of the church through public criticism. The First Presidency then issued a statement on August 22, 1992, defending the committee. So the First Presidency as well admitted the existence of the committee, but defended the committee based on an 1839 letter from Joseph Smith, 
while he was in prison in Liberty Jail and now canonized in Doctrine and Covenants section 123 that directed church leaders to establish a committee for, quote, gathering up a knowledge of all the facts and sufferings and abuses put on church members and the names of all persons that have had a hand in their oppressions. So this is the defense that the First Presidency put forward for the existence of the committee. It looked at a revelation or a letter from Joseph Smith that's now in the Doctrine and Covenants that was written in the context of the Missouri persecutions, directing that the church gather up a knowledge of all the facts and sufferings and abuses put on church members and the names of all persons that have had a hand in their oppressions in regards to the Missouri persecutions, and then use that as a charter for creating a committee to monitor the activities of dissident Mormons and report those activities to their local leaders for disciplinary action. I don't know about you, but those two things do not sound exactly the same to me. The First Presidency Statement also said that two members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles served as heads of this committee and that the two members at the time at the head of the committee were James E. Faust and, drumroll please, Russell M. Nelson, who is the current president of the LDS Church. As of the date of this recording, May 1st, 2019. In 1993, Apostle Dallin H. Oaks, who is the first counselor in the First Presidency currently, characterized the committee as a clipping service. Basically, they go through newspapers and magazines and clip out articles. I think it's a little bit more technologically advanced today. But at that time, Dallin H. Oaks characterized the committee as a clipping service that may have monitored speeches, that may have monitored speeches. Yeah, you know they monitored speeches. But he says they may have monitored speeches, writings, and activities of those suspected of apostasy and passed on material to church officials. That's the quote from Dallin H. Oaks in 1993. In spite of the fact that knowledge of this committee came to public light in the early 1990s, that hubbub has long since died away and the Strengthening Church Members Committee has receded into the background. It is still very active in the upper levels of the LDS Church. It is still headed by two apostles, but now that the limelight is off of them, they can continue their activities in the relative obscurity and anonymity at the heart of the church office building. The reason we know this is still supposed to be a secret organization is because, as recently as 2012, when Mitt Romney was running for president, the BBC did a television program regarding the LDS Church, and the interviewer was able to speak with Michael Purdy, the head of the PR department for the LDS Church. The interviewer had heard about the existence of the Strengthening Church Members Committee from ex-Mormons, and he went to find out what Michael Purdy had to say about the existence of this committee. Interestingly, you will hear in the tape that follows Michael Purdy's initial response to the question of whether there really is a Strengthening Church Members Committee in the church is to fib and to say he doesn't know about any such committee. The interviewer, however, presses him on the question and repeats it, and under the cross-examination, Michael Purdy cracks like a nut and admits, oh well, he really does know that they exist, but he can't give the interviewer any information. He'll find someone else who can. Play the tape. I want to find out more about the mysterious Strengthening Church Members Committee. off to the church to meet its chief spokesman and the mastermind behind the I Am A Mormon campaign, Michael Purdy. What's the Strengthening Church Members Committee? 
and does it still exist? Uh, I don't know, and I'm not. I guess that's a question not f for me. I, I I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. You're the head of media relations for the church, right? And I've spoken to people, um, ex-members of the church, who say. Um, the Strengthening Church Members Committee does exist. Does it still exist? I, I, I've heard that, yeah, there is a Strengthening Church Members Committee, but I couldn't tell you the details of how that works, but we'd be happy to provide someone that can. Sorry for my confusion. When I originally asked you, you, you weren't sure. Now you, you do know that it exists, um, and you will give me somebody who knows something about it. Absolutely. So on the Strengthening Church Members Committee, the spokesman for the Mormon Church couldn't give me a satisfactory answer. So we can see that even in 2012, not only did the Strengthening Church Members Committee still exist, but that it was obviously something that, as far as Michael Purdy was concerned, was not something that was supposed to be discussed publicly. Not satisfied with this answer from Michael Purdy, the interviewer then pursued the same subject with none other than Elder Jeffrey Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, who seems a bit evasive in his responses. Play the tape. What is the Strengthening Church Members Committee? The Strengthening the Church Members Committee was born some years ago to protect predatory practices of polygamists. I ask, what, what, what is it? Well, that, that's what it is. It is to protect... So it does you. still exist? It's, it does still exist. It does still exist. And it looks at... Uh, it, it's there to defend the church against polygamists? Principally. Prince, that is still the principal task. And uh, what is its subsidiary task? Uh, I suppose just to be protective generally, just to watch and care for uh, any... Uh, any insidious influence, but for all intents and purposes, all that I know about it is primarily to guard against polygamy. That would be the substantial, essential part of the work. I'm not on that committee, so I can't speak. It is generally understood that the Strengthening Church Members Committee, or SCMC, keeps files on dissident Mormons, those that they consider to be vocally critical of the church and its leaders. And once again, when those dissident Mormons are considered to have crossed some threshold of being too critical, too vocal, too popular, that information in the file is then passed on to the members' local leaders for disciplinary action. I have known about the existence of the Strengthening Church Members Committee for a number of years now. I have known about the rumor that they keep files on dissident members of the church, and I have long suspected that they must have a file on Radio Free Mormon as well. I have also been led to understand that it is very likely that the church believes they know the true identity of Radio Free Mormon, that they know my name. And that sets the background for what happened earlier this morning, May 1st, 2019, when I had a nice chat with a member of the Strengthening Church Members Committee. He is a general authority, he is a member of the First Quorum of the Seventy, and his name is Timothy J. Dykes, D-Y-C-H-E-S. The funny thing is, he didn't call me. I called him. Here is how it came about. Early this morning, I was contacted by Bill Reel, advising me that there is a teenager, he's about 18 years old, who listens to the podcast, and he also frequents ex-Mormon Reddit, which is a message board where dissident members of the church gather to express their feelings about the LDS church. While he was on ex-Mormon Reddit, this teenager read a comment that somebody had made 
about how Radio Free Mormon's neck is in the SCMC noose over his latest podcast, President Nelson Jumps the Shark. This teenager learned of the existence of the Strengthening Church Members Committee from this post. He learned that the SCMC has files on dissident Mormons like Radio Free Mormon and that the SCMC surely had a file on Radio Free Mormon and that disciplinary action would no doubt be shortly forthcoming. This was the opinion of the person who posted the message at ex-Mormon Reddit that was read by this teenager. Now, this teenager is not just an average teen. His grandfather is a general authority 70, also a member of the first quorum of the 70, but he is not Elder Dykes. The teen talks to his grandfather about different issues relating to the church. Now, obviously, this teenager, if he's listening to my podcast and frequenting ex-Mormon Reddit, is probably not entirely orthodox in his beliefs. But he talks with his grandfather about his questions relating to the church, and his grandfather is nice enough to talk with him in trying to answer those questions. Now, by the way, I am not using this teenager's name or the name of his grandfather because I don't want to inadvertently dox him. I know the name of his general authority grandfather, but if I gave the name of the general authority grandfather, I would be doxing in the kid just as much as if I said the name of the kid himself. Anyway, the teen's grandfather, the 70, said he knows another 70 who does work on the SCMC, and this 70's name is Elder Timothy J. Dykes, the one I've already mentioned to you. After checking with Elder Dykes, the grandfather got back to his grandson to say that the grandfather had spoken with Elder Dykes and that the SCMC does, in fact, have a file on Radio Free Mormon. But the grandfather, 70, went further. He gave his grandson Elder Dykes' telephone number. He told his grandson he could pass it along to Radio Free Mormon, and that Radio Free Mormon could give Elder Dykes a call to discuss the contents of his SCMC file, and that Elder Dykes would be expecting the call. All of this information was related to me by Bill Reel on the morning of May 1st, 2019. Well, as you can imagine, it was all too much for me to resist. So, I called the phone number provided. It was 801-240-3305. I frankly wasn't sure whether this was a real phone number or whether it would actually go to Elder Dykes, but I thought I would give it a whirl anyway. Well, a very pleasant lady picked up on the other end and advised me that I had reached the office of Elder Timothy J. Dykes and asked how she could help me. I told her I was calling for Elder Dykes and that he was expecting my call. She asked for my name. I thought saying Radio Free Mormon would raise more questions than it would answer. I mean, my whole goal is to get past the receptionist and to Elder Dyke, so I'm trying to make this as quick and painless as possible. So I don't want to say it's Radio Free Mormon, so I just made up a name because I didn't want to give her my real name either, for obvious reasons. There is a reason that this podcast is anonymous. So I just made up a name and told her my name was John Smith. Yes, that's actually the name that I thought up on the spur of the moment. I will get less than high marks for my creativity there. She asked what this was regarding. I told her it was a bit of an unusual situation, but it was my understanding that Elder Dyke serves on the Strengthening Church Members Committee, that he has a file on me, and that he is expecting my call to discuss the contents of my file. This did not seem to faze her in the least. She did not express confusion, shock, or misunderstanding. She did not say, what is this Strengthening Church Members Committee of which you speak? She understood exactly 
what I was talking about and said she would check to see if Elder Dykes was available to talk with me and she put me on hold for about a minute while I listened to some very nice classical music. When the phone picked up again, it was the receptionist's voice. I expected her to say that Elder Dykes was busy or unavailable and couldn't take my call at the time, but instead she said she was transferring me through to Elder Dykes. A moment later, Elder Dykes picked up the phone and identified himself. I told him I had used the name John Smith with his receptionist, but that my name was not really John Smith, but that I podcasted under the name Radio Free Mormon. I told him that this was a bit of an awkward phone call, but that I had learned through a circuitous route that Elder Dykes serves on the Strengthening Church Members Committee, that he has a file on Radio Free Mormon, and that he might be expecting a call from me to discuss its contents. Elder Dykes identified the name of the Grandfather 70 and mentioned the teenage son. He knew exactly what was going on and why it was that I was calling, and he indeed was expecting my call as I had been informed by Bill Reel. And I told him, yes, that was exactly the circuitous route that I was talking about. Elder Dykes told me that he did not want me to use the contents of our conversation for any purpose whatsoever. I assured him I was not recording the call because I live in a two-party consent state and I wasn't about to break the law. We both got a good chuckle over this. Elder Dyke said he usually would talk with people who came in person to his office as opposed to over the phone. I told him that was difficult considering I lived in another state. He understood the difficulty. Elder Dykes at this point confirmed that he does serve on the Strengthening Church Members Committee and that he does have a file on a member of the church whom he identified as being Radio Free Mormon. He mentioned that member's full name to me and asked if I were that individual. I told him I could not confirm nor deny whether I was that individual, and we both had a good laugh over that one. Elder Dyke said he was not comfortable talking with me on the phone about the contents of my file unless I were willing to positively identify myself as the member he believes Radio Free Mormon to be. I asked him that if his file is on Radio Free Mormon and I have identified myself as Radio Free Mormon, then why couldn't he talk with Radio Free Mormon about the contents of his file? Elder Dykes reiterated that he wouldn't feel comfortable talking with me unless I positively identified myself as the member he believes Radio Free Mormon to be. I told him that I guess that takes care of our conversation then. I thanked him for taking the time to accept my call and chat with me. I wished him a good day, and he did the same to me. A few thoughts. Number one, Elder Dykes was very pleasant and cordial. We both shared laughs over the unusualness of the situation. He seemed genuinely sincere when he wished me a good day at the end of our conversation. Number two, it is now confirmed that the Strengthening Church Members Committee really does exist. Yes, Virginia, there really is a Strengthening Church Members Committee. Not only did it exist back in the 1990s, but it continues to exist today. Not only that, it is confirmed that Elder Dykes of the First Quorum of the Seventy is a member of the Strengthening Church Members Committee. Strangely, if you go onto the church website and look at Elder Dykes' official biography, there is no mention of his being a member of the Strengthening Church Members Committee. This is what it says there. Elder Timothy J. Dykes was sustained as a General Authority Seventy of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on April 6, 2013. At the time of his call, he was serving in a Ward Young Men presidency. 
He served as a member of the Europe Area Presidency from August 2013 to August 2016 and is currently, note that word, and is currently serving at church headquarters as an assistant executive director in the Temple Department and chairman of the Restoration and Cancellation Committee, period, end of quote. No mention is made of Elder Timothy Dykes serving on the Strengthening Church Members Committee, even though I was able to confirm from his own mouth this morning that he does in fact serve on the SCMC. This suggests that the church is still not willing to openly discuss either the existence of the Strengthening Church Members Committee or who serves on it. Point number three, the Strengthening Church Members Committee definitely does keep files on dissident members, and yes, they do have a file on Radio Free Mormon. Some have asked me whether I am interested in knowing what is in my Strengthening Church Members Committee file, but I will tell you I'm really not that interested in knowing what's in it because I'm the one who created it in the first place. It's just clippings and possibly recordings of things that I have said and written. So I imagine I have a pretty good idea as to what's in there. I expect it is simply an excerpted edition of Radio Free Mormon's Greatest Hits. I only hope the file is big. Really big. You're going to need a bigger file. And so, because I know that Elder Dykes listens to Radio Free Mormon and will no doubt listen to this podcast, I want to dedicate this episode especially for you, Elder Dykes, and in honor of you and in honor of all the members of the Strengthening Church Members Committee who are anxiously engaged in the divinely mandated calling of spying for the Lord. And also in honor of the file that you have on Radio Free Mormon, I want to close out this episode with a special song by Weird Alma, who was kind enough to give me permission to play the song at the end of this podcast. Yes, it's fun to work for the SCMC. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air. If you feel you are drawn to a calling Where you can tattle on other Mormons Then fix your gaze upon this assignment We have for you, Mormon You will search on the net for apostates Who could become a threat, then you'll tell us And be happy to be in the Strengthening Church Members Committee it's fun to work for the SCMC. It's fun to work for the SCMC. You can help us make our disobediences in the LDS, the police. It's fun to work for the SCMC. It's fun to work for the SCMC. You can see everything other members do bad. You might even rat out your dad Mormon If you see a new meme by a Mormon And it happens to seem controversial Or a little extreme Then you must report it to us We will take that info and go to their bishop So he'll be in the know that apostates are outside in the hall No, this is not cultish at all 
It's fun to work for the SCMC. It's fun to work for the SCMC. You'll be serving the Lord, really making your mark as a stool pigeon, rat, think, narc. It's fun to work for the SCMC. It's fun to work for the SCMC. You can point out the ones who have questioned out loud. Big Brother will be so proud. Mormon, at the end of your days, know that God will honor you with great praise, cause you snitched on intellectuals and gays who would share their thoughts on Facebook. We can't have our members discuss all the things that reflect poorly on us, like the fact that we will spy on them, so we must spy on them to see what they know. It's fun to work for the SCMC. It's fun to work for the SCMC. Inform on your friends, tell us all that they do. We'll have others inform on you. Or Denver Snuffer drinks wine You will call us on our hotline SCMC And just squeal for the SCMC You'll have plenty of work As a Latter-day Mole Help us stay in complete control